Yeah, Friday! You have reached episode 43 of the Ranting Weight Watcher. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. If the podcast app you're listening to me on allows you to rate the show, please leave a four-star or five-star rating. Any rating is greatly appreciated. Man, oh man, here we are, another Friday. Can you believe this is episode 43? I mean, I am... I mean, it's crazy. Episode 43. One episode a week. So we're 43 weeks into this, this journey of ours together. And we're, we're essentially 10 episodes away from a year, right? Just about that much. And it's been a pleasure so far. I'll tell you what. Well, let me stop. Let me get started here. Let's get into this. Journey updates. Okay, guys, not a great week. I had a one-pound gain this week. So total lost for the month of June is 0.6 pounds. Total loss since the beginning of January 2019 is 131.2 pounds. The total pounds remaining to get to our small, small goal of being 253 pounds is 11.4 pounds. Total remaining pounds to lose to get to the next WW milestone, which is the minus 150 milestone, is 18.8 pounds away. And the total remaining pounds to lose to get to the minus 200 milestone is 68.8 pounds. Now that was our big goal, 200 pounds. And then to reevaluate, see how I look having lost 200 pounds and make some life choices at that point. But that's not the end of my journey for sure by any means to lose 200 pounds. That is just the biggest goal that when I, on, when I started on January 12, 2019, I said I want to lose 200 pounds to start. That was the beginning. And that's where we're heading. And I am, I'm liking my, I don't like that I went up this week, but I'm liking my results so far. And I've learned so much, so much more than I thought I would ever learn from losing weight. I have learned from my journey this time around. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. The life lessons of a weight loss journey. So these lessons that can be learned are not always weight-related. And I'll go over that because there's so much more to the journey. 
There's so much more. Think about it right now. At your biggest, I don't know if you're at your biggest now, if you're listening to me, or if you've lost a significant amount of weight, whatever it is, whatever your situation right now. Think about when you were at your biggest, or if you're at your biggest, think about this moment. And think about everything else that you've had a problem with that are all tied back to your health. Okay? There is this, just to, just to start, just the surface, we're going to scratch the surface here, there is this stigma that drives me insane. When somebody, um, from my past, okay, so let's, let's just, let's go, we're going back 20, 30 years here, okay? When somebody would say to you, and they would say this with the most well-meaning, they're, they're meaning it from the bottom of their heart, and they think what they're saying is, is something good. They think they're, they're trying to instill something good into your life, so they say this, but it is probably the worst thing they could say, and it makes me insane because it has fed a monster, which I'll get into in a second. But I can't tell you how many times in my life that I heard, but you have such a handsome face. You have this beautiful face if you would just lose some weight. So are you telling me that I'm ugly because I am overweight? Is that what you're telling me? That it's... It's not, I'm not handsome because I'm overweight. Is that the idea? And this is what it leads to. This is where it begins. This is the root of it, okay? You think, the people think they're saying something so wonderful. Look at this beautiful face. Look how pretty her face is. Look how handsome his face is. If he would just lose the weight, he or she would be gorgeous, And it is my argument that if this was true, there is no such thing as a skinny person who is ugly. Because the way you're saying it is, that means that all people that are overweight are ugly and all people that are healthy are beautiful. That just basically what you're saying. That is the, you got to take the good side with the bad side. You can't just mean it one way. Everything you say is a double-edged sword. If it means something one way, it means something the other way, either whether you intend it to or not. Okay? So based on what you're telling me in this conversation we're having is if I'm so handsome and I would just need to lose the weight, I would be a knockout. That tells me that every skinny male or woman that's walking this planet. Not one, not a single one of them can be ugly because they're skinny. So what these these words that seem to be kind to the person saying them, what these words have given birth to is the stigma that fat people are ugly. That's what it does. Every person, whether regardless of their age, teenager, 10, 10, 11 years old, whatever it is, 
all the way up to adulthood and senior citizenship, regardless of where they are in the age spectrum. Basically, what you're saying is anybody who's overweight is also ugly. And it, it hits the teenagers the hardest. It hits the, the younger kids the hardest. Because they actually believe it. They actually believe their beauty has something to do with their health. They are two separate things. There are plenty of overweight people that are beautiful. There are plenty of overweight people that are ugly. And the same way goes for the most fit people. It's just, it's just a, a fact of life. Beauty has nothing to do with health. And how we've connected to the two, I'll never understand. Because it adds an entire dynamic to something we should be concerned about. Let, let, we're, we should be concerned about our weight because it can kill us. Not having control of our weight causes heart problems, causes diabetes, causes so many health-related issues. Beauty is not one of them. And yet we tie it together like it, like the laces of a sneaker. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and unnecessary to even allow the thought process. But nobody gets that. Everybody who says things like, oh, if he's just so handsome, if he would drop the weight, they don't understand what they're saying. And if you point it out, they don't see the other side. They refuse to. Everything you say, every word comes out of your mouth has a double-edged sword. And whether you mean it that way or not, it can easily be taken that way. Your best, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right? Don't they say that? So now we have a bunch of teenagers who are insecure, young women, young men, all insecure. I know because I went through it. I went through it. There were so many times and so many instances in my life where all I did was point out my insecurities. And I look back at it now and I think, how stupid, how stupid if I would have just let go, if I would realize then what I know now, my high school life would have been completely different. Completely different. You, you know, trying to date when you have this stigma of overweight is ugly. Trying to date someone when you're in the position of being in high school being in college, whatever have you. Being the person that's overweight, you're automatically ugly. So that's one insecurity I got to hold on to. Never mind everything else that comes with it. I can't wear the in-style clothes everybody else is wearing. Forget that. That's just something piled onto the top. So I already got a big pile of shit called life that tells me I'm ugly because I'm overweight. Now you're adding uh, the flies because I can't wear the clothes I want to wear. I can't be in style. 
There's bullying. There's all kinds of stuff tied with this that only add to the stigmas. And so you go. Maybe you try to have a normal life. Maybe you try to see what it would be like to just not care. You know, I have a story. (laughs) I'm hesitant to tell the story uh, because I talked to 23 countries. But I started high school, and I've never, at this point in my life, I had never asked a girl out. There was, it's just not, I mean, I was attracted to girls, and I had never asked a girl out, though. Okay? And I had this girl that I was interested in, freshman year. I'm a freshman. Just let me get get that part out. I don't want to skip that part. I'm a freshman. She's a freshman. She, she's in my typing class. And I think that she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Okay? And she's the kind of girl that when she walked in the room my heart would skip a beat. I mean, it was, it was, it was insane. I don't know that I ever, she must've been the first girl I was really, really attracted to. I mean, I had girls I was attracted to in middle school, but none, nothing to the point of, I would want to try and ask someone out. Okay. And so I remember every, every time I would have typing class, I would just, I would pick a chair close to her and once in a while, if I had some sort of interaction that had to do with class, I felt like a million bucks. Okay. And one day I decided I wanted to ask her out. There's nothing embellished about this story. My good friend, still to this day, I met him freshman year of high school. My friend Ray, still to this day, he's like a brother to me. He was sitting at the table with me at lunchtime when I expressed the interest of wanting to ask her out. And everybody at the table said, yeah, man, Don, go and do it, do it, do it, you know? And now this girl was one of the, probably the most popular kids in school. And... I was all ready to do it. All ready to do it. My friend Ray, still to this day, I, don't, I never let him let, let this down. <laughs> He's the only one at the table telling me, don't do it, man. Just don't do it. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, why? What do you mean, don't do it? And everybody else at the table is looking at him like, what, why, are you, why are you doing this? This is your boy. <laughs> He's your friend. Why are you telling him not to do it? And all he's doing is pleading with me. Just don't do it, man. Just don't do it. And so I said, for for whatever reason, I decide not to listen to him. Because maybe the 10 other kids at the table is, are telling me, go for it, go for it. So I stand up from my table. And I walk to this table where probably the most popular kids in the freshman class are all sitting. And they also mixed us with, um, I believe, the junior class or the senior class, one of the two. That's what they mixed the lunchroom with. 
So there, there are those kids in the, in the lunchroom too. I walk across the, the cafeteria, okay? I sit down at her table directly in front of her. I look her dead in the face because they're all, everybody at this table is now looking at me like, who the hell is this guy who thinks he could come sit at this table? I look her dead in the face. I tell her I like her and I'd like to go out with her. She says, I'm sorry, I have a boyfriend. (laughs) The one thing that bugs me to this day is my friend Ray knew her from his, he went to middle school with her. So we all ended up in high school together. And the one thing Ray didn't tell me at the table that would have stopped me, that would have stopped me, is she has a boyfriend, dude. Don't do it. But he never said that. He just said, don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> so, Ray, if you're listening right now, thanks, guy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I still love you. <laughs> but anyway, she says, I have a boyfriend. And I said, oh. Okay. And I stood up. And the entire room, when I ask this question, goes dead silent. It is like a movie, a scene from a movie. There is not a single person talking. And when I ask her out and she says, no, I have a boyfriend, you could hear the, oh, like that. I'm not, I'm not, oh, I almost wish I had my friend next to me, my friend right next to me, because he can, he can say, that this actually happened. He can be the eyewitness because he was there. The awe, like that, I can't, oh, poor guy. That was like the, it was like a release. Oh, man. And I got up and I took the longest walk back to my table that I ever took in my life. And in reality, the distance was probably be 15 feet. 15, 20 feet tops from where I was sitting to where she was sitting. I went and sat down. Everybody at the table was like, oh, it's okay, man. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You, that, that took balls. That took balls. I can't believe you did that. And my friend is looking at me like, I told you. I told you not to do it. I told you not to do it. But you never said she had a boyfriend either. So what did you tell me? <laughs> But this, this instance, this moment, was a downturn in confidence. And just because of receiving the no, there was a stigma. Even though the reason was she was with somebody else, a stigma gave birth in my mind that it was because of my weight she said no. And I, that's unfair. I, can never, I should never have thought that of her and it was unfair to think it but I thought it at the time and so it became the thing I worried about for the rest of my high school career it became the thing I worried about no girl would ever date me because of my size 
I'm fat, I'm ugly. That's just the way it went. <laughs> and the process of that earned me respect with upperclassmen, like the ones that were in the room on that day, whether they were juniors or seniors or whatever they were, whatever they mixed us with. The respect, the level of respect I earned to the point where I'm going to the bathroom and I'm standing at a urinal and the same, this is the same day, so this is hours after it happened. And the upperclassman that was in the cafeteria at the time came up to me when I was washing my hands and said, that took a lot of guts what you did today. And he says, I have much respect for you. No, there's not many people that could have done what you did in front of all those people. Took a lot of guts. And I suddenly had the respect of upperclassmen that I had no idea who they were. But they all knew who I was because I was the guy that had the balls to walk across the cafeteria and ask a girl out and get rejected in front of everybody. And I, I could have taken this, as I talk about it right now, I think about what this could have done for my, the strength of my personality to have gone through this and gained that kind of respect. Instead, I allowed it to dictate the insecurities. I allowed the insecurities to take over my life and dictate how much fun I would have for the rest of the four years of my high school career. Because then every moment became, is it because I'm fat that she won't like me? Can she look past and just accept me for me? And that, that also makes me crazy. Whenever thinking back on this moment that I just spoke about, I used to say that myself, and now I just think it's a crock of shit. Every time I hear somebody say, why can't they just accept me for me? To you, this all makes sense. But I say it's a crock of shit. Why? Because you yourself don't accept you for you. That's why they can't. Because even if they did, you with your own mouth would convince them otherwise without even trying Without even trying, because you would never understand if there was a, whether you're a guy, a girl, whatever, and the someone is liking you and you have insecurities, you would never understand if they were actually doing what you said, why can't somebody just accept me for me? If they were actually doing that, you would find ways to tell them why they shouldn't. Now, think about now. Think about this. You're saying you're crazy. I would never do that. Think about this. How many times has your significant other said to you, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Oh my God, how much I love you. How, how your significant other is looking at you like with those eyes like, I really don't want you to leave the house today. And you, because of your insecurities, look at him and, or her and say, what are you looking at? I, 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 what can you see? What can you possibly see? And then you might even go grow to the point where, see, see, this is what I don't like. And you might, maybe you hold, hold your side. Maybe there's a little extra fat on the side. 
But when when the fat is in a, a pair of jeans, it just makes the jeans look more full. And it's driving the guy crazy. Because it's filling the jeans in just the right spaces. But yet you're you got the jeans off and you're saying, see, see how this looks? What are you doing there? You're saying with Reno style lights, we're talking about Vegas, okay? The lights are blinking, they're flashing. See, this is what you shouldn't like. And that's how all your insecurities are. Every insecurity, think of them right now. Every single insecurity you have is a Reno style, Vegas style light, flashing lights, music, all kinds of things. This I don't like about myself. Your body language dictates it. Your voice will dictate it whether you mean to or not. Your eyes will dictate it. It Without you even trying. Somebody's body language, someone's sitting at, the, at a table, they're a little, maybe the last time you saw them, they, they got a few extra pounds. Maybe they're 20, 30 pounds heavier. And you, how do you know they're insecure about it? They don't even have to tell you they're insecure about it. If they're folding their arms across their belly, what are they insecure about? They haven't seen you in years and they're concerned about covering their stomach with their arms. That's body language talking without you meaning to. That's just one example. And the, whether you like it or not, I just showed you how they affected my life. I, I showed you how my insecurities hindered my high school career. I mean, when I think about it now, if I could go back and tell the high school version of me, would I tell myself not to ask her out? Probably not. I would tell him there's a different lesson to be learned here than what you're about to learn. I would never stop him from asking her out. Me and her ended up great friends. And I don't regret any of it. I had a great time. But the insecurities that were given birth, which had nothing to do with her, they were all in my head. If I could go back to the high school version of me and tell myself, this is what's going to happen, but it's okay because of X, Y, and Z, and this is what you're going to do different, I would totally do it. And I would still allow myself to get up, walk across the, that cafeteria, and make myself known to every freaking upperclassman that was in that room. I would still do it. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to learn from this, from situations like this. So don't go anywhere. Nothing can stand in my way because I am an unstoppable force. My challenges crumble in my presence because I 
am so strong. My insecurities no longer have power over my life because I am so confident. My mistakes are my choices and I am okay with this because I am so intelligent. The mirror and scale can no longer haunt me because I am so beautiful. I can face any circumstance with unwavering support because I am so loved. The demons of my past can no longer haunt me because I now love myself. All things are possible as long as I believe because God is on my side. I will achieve all of the goals, not if, but when, because I have no boundaries. I am the champion of my story because I do whatever it takes to win. No one can take what I've done away from me because I am the author and the hero of my story. I'm coming. Victory is mine. Because I am enough. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to the Ranting Weight Watcher. If you would like to connect on social media, we would love to connect with you. On the Weight Watchers Connect app, search for at Ranting Weight Watcher. All of our other social media links can be found at www.therantingweightwatcher.com. You can also email the show, say hello or share your story with us. Send your emails to therantingweightwatcher at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Are you interested in Ranting Weight Watcher merchandise? The Ranting Weight Watcher merchandise store is officially open for business. Head over to www.therantingweightwatcher.com, scroll down past the welcome section to find the link to the merchandise store. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If this is your first time here, and you enjoy the show, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. We are proud to announce that the Ranting Weight Watcher has been rated number 6 in Feedspot.com's Top 10 Weight Watchers Podcasts. Click the link in the show's description if you wish to see the full list. If the podcast app you are listening with allows you to rate the show, please leave a 4-star or 5-star rating, whatever is in your heart to leave. Any rating is greatly appreciated. And now, without further delay, here is the star of the show, Donato Russo. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. Well, I just uh, kind of... In the first half of this show, I definitely opened up a mirror, uh, a door to my past and just kind of poured out to you guys of things that I think how my health affected my life more than just my health. When you think about being overweight, being overweight should only affect your health. It should only affect 
your body, your physical experience with life. It, but it affects so much more than that. And we went over in the first one, in the first uh, segment, so I'm not going to go over it again. But how do we learn from this? Because as you go through a weight loss journey now, you're going to be made to be uncomfortable. You're going to start dropping weight. You're going to start, you're going to be in those positions like I talked about last week where you're holding on to larger clothes just because of how many times you failed. But it's almost like you got to let go because by holding on to them, you're putting it out in the universe that you plan to fail. Because of what history has shown you, this time is no different. You are not a different person. But you are. You are the minute you decide to let go of all the previous history. I said it in the last episode. One cannot walk backwards into the future. What happened before no longer matters. You're here now. What happened yesterday no longer matters, even if it was a good day. What happened years ago no longer matters. It's at some point, what happened in your past becomes a choice to hold on to. If someone physically abused you, mentally abused you, whatever it is, at some point, it becomes a choice to hold on to. At some point. Regardless of what the circumstance is. And you may not like that. You may not like that I'm saying that, and I apologize, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but it doesn't make it less true. It doesn't make it, especially when you think about how these people affect your life, if you think about how long you've been holding on to whatever the situation is of abuse, how long you've been holding on to it, at some point during that time period, 20, 30, 40 years, at some point, it became your choice to continue holding on to it. Whether you like it or not, it became a conscious choice and you allowed it to hinder your future. Just like in the cafeteria, how I allowed the thought of the fact that I was fat to dictate the rest of my high school career and how I would approach the opposite sex. Just like that, you're doing the same thing. So just losing weight, just if you start to see that this weight loss thing is a three-headed monster, it's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual, all three at the same time, and you're thinking, I just want to drop the weight. It's much, much more than that. It's every insecurity. It's every bit of abuse you've ever received. It's every bit of bullying you ever received, all wrapped into one journey. It's every gripe, everything that ever, every hurt, every pain that you've ever experienced that you're still holding on to to this day, all in one journey. Whether you believe it or not, it is. And you may not 
you may get to points in the journey that the scale doesn't move and it's because maybe it's an emotional or a mental thing you need to deal with at that point. And it has nothing to do with what you're actually eating or your exercise routine. I talked about being positive last week. And this is kind of like branching off of that. That positive outlook on life. Because what you put out in the universe tends to come back to you. If you spent your entire life talking about at, at 45 years old, I'm going to die of lung cancer. Or I'm just going to die of cancer. Let's just keep it like that. At 45 years old, I'm going to die of cancer. And let's say you started saying that when you're 20 years old. Don't be surprised if somewhere in the 45th year, even if it misses by a year and it hits you at 46, don't be surprised because you put it out there in the universe. The mind is a powerful thing. It, they, the scientists say, everybody's always talking about trust the science, right? Scientists say we only use like 10% of our brain power. So what's the rest of the 90% doing? Because people who are positive thinkers, people who, are, uh, who refuse negativity into their life and they only accept the positive and they only believe the best of themselves, the best seems to happen to them. Why? Because they don't accept anything else. They don't put it out there. They don't even think. They don't give when they go into an adventure, uh, to a venture of whatever it is, whether it's business, whether it's health, whatever it is, when they take a step forward into their lives to do this venture, they don't ever think, what if I fail? They come up with a plan of how they're going to ex- execute whatever the goal is, and they will fail. But they know that the failure is not the end of the lesson. It's just what they need to do. Let's, it's an obstacle in their way to continue their journey. So they come to that first failure. And they, the ones that realize, okay, how do I fix this problem? And they move forward. Those are the ones that are going to eventually get to success. But to think you're going to try something and not fail in the middle of it all is ludicrous. I've said it before in previous episodes, success and failure, they're brother and sister. They're siblings. You don't invite one to your house without the other one coming with it. The two come as a unit. You can't have one without the other because success only comes when failure teaches you the lesson. That's all there is to that. There's so much more to it than just that. As you progress through your weight loss journey, you're going to be given plenty of decisions to make. Plenty of decisions. And if I, I'm going to give you this outlook on how to make a decision. Okay. Is the result of this decision toward discipline or toward gratification? This is how I would love for you to think of every decision you make 
going forward in the journey, whether you're just starting, whether you're in the middle, whether you're stuck, or whether all pistons are, are, all the engines are firing and you're going and you're blazing and you're extremely successful, whatever it is. All the decisions you face going forward, one is for choosing discipline and the other is choosing gratification. And this is not toward, this is toward anything in life. This is not just toward health. But this is, this is a weight loss journey is a huge lesson learner in discipline versus gratification. The finance world is also a journey where every decision you make could be discipline-based versus gratification-based. Whether you're investing in a high-risk stock or you're deciding to spend rent money on the really nice purse or whatever that you, you saw in the store that was half off, that it was the chance of a lifetime to get. It's all the same. If you, would re, if you would see every decision going forward, is this a discipline-based decision I'm going to make or a gratification-based decision I'm making? I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Is this decision I'm making going to lead me to discipline or lead me to gratification? Because if it leads you to gratification, gratification is extremely temporary. Discipline, however, will last you for the rest of your life. The ability to say no gives you so much power. A power that you otherwise don't know its full potential of if you never use it. Okay? And... There'll be plenty of people that come at me and say, well, Don, there's nothing I can't have. Weight Watchers told me so. I get that. And I believe that as well. Except, if you know something, there's always an exception to every rule. That's number one. And if you know there's one thing that you can't control yourself if it's there, that's the one thing that you need to avoid for some period of time to teach yourself the discipline on how to conquer that one thing. If it's a sweet, if it's a sandwich, whatever it is, a Big Mac, donuts, cookies, cake, ice cream, everybody's got something they're addicted to. There's nobody on this planet that can say I'm addicted to nothing. Everybody's got a vice. Everybody. Some of them, the vice affects only them. The food they eat, that's a vice that only affects you. Other people, it has a, have a vice that affects everyone. Someone who smokes can give the person next to them lung cancer. How do I say this to you? Because my, my grandfather would smoke camel non-filter cigarettes and he smoked them for years and years, packs a day. And my grandmother died of lung cancer way before he ever did. Way before. This man smoked for years. 
And all she did was sit next to him and support him like a good housewife. And she's the one that died of lung cancer, never having smoked a day in her life. So everybody's got a vice. And sometimes your vice only affects you. And sometimes your vice affects others around you. It's really about what it is. But everybody's got one. There's not a single person that could say otherwise. You have to recognize in what you're doing. It's so important to recognize distractions. You may, as you go through this journey, you may gain a little confidence and that's all part of it and it's wonderful. But you have to recognize sometimes whether what you're experiencing is a distraction and is going to hinder the rest of your journey or is it okay and you can embrace it? Are you strong enough to deal with it? Okay? So if we look at it in regards to all of the insecurities, if you're dealing with body insecurities because you don't like the way you look and some person comes into your life that likes you just the way you are, suddenly you hit a weak moment, let's say, and you're with that person and that person doesn't understand how much you struggle to have discipline in your life. They don't understand because they never had this problem before, maybe. So they don't, they don't take it seriously as you do. Only someone who has had the exact same problem knows the struggle. That's, that's, the, that's a fact. No one who has never had a weight problem ever will understand what you go through as someone who has had a weight problem for decades. Okay? That's just the God's honest truth. So you could be having a weak moment where somebody that is in this with you can look at you and say, no, don't do it. You're stronger than that. Let's keep walking past this situation. If you're not strong enough, I'm strong enough for you and I'm taking you away from this situation. I won't allow yourself to go through the guilt and shame that's going to come after this. Because I don't, I don't want you to deal with it. I don't think you're strong enough. So I'm going to take you out of the situation. Or you can have someone that says, well, what's the big deal? If you want a donut, have a donut. Meanwhile, the hours of mutilation you're doing to your, body, to your mind after beating yourself up, calling yourself a failure, ridiculing yourself, all of this is that person may never even see it because it's all going on in your head. Now, whether you're married to this person, whether this person just goes home at the end of the night and you're stuck alone in your own home until the next time you see that person, they'll never see how you beat yourself up. But the person that's in it, the person that's been with you from the from however you met them and they they're going through the same stuff you're going through and it's like you're soldiers at war that person will confront it with you at the time and eliminate 
anything else that could possibly happen if they're strong enough themselves. It's so important to surround yourselves with people who are more successful than you. My dad used to say that to me all the time. If you surround yourself with drug addicts, you're going to be a drug addict. If you surround yourself with millionaires, you're going to be a millionaire. It's really your choice. If you're trying to be the strong one in a room full of weak people, it's not going to go your way. Eventually, you're going to be conforming. You're not going to convince an entire room to turn away from the donuts. Somebody in that room is going to turn away, is going to is eat them, and then the other ones will find power in eating with him or her, whatever. And if there's 30 people in a room and 29 of them are eating the donuts and you're the only one, it's going to be a true testament to your strength. A true testament. And I, everybody wants company. Every, every person with a vice or whatever wants company. They don't want to feel like the only person who's drinking at a party. They don't want to feel like the only person who's having fun with some drugs at a party. They don't want to feel like the only person. So they want people to join them. And here's one thing. The one thing my father taught me or instilled in my, in my being, I never had a drug a day, never tried a single drug in my life that wasn't prescribed to me, okay? Never, ever in my life. Because the one thing he instilled in me is that if you, I don't care what you did, I'll get you out of it. I'll help you. But if what you did has to do with drugs, don't come to me. I don't want to know you. You'd be a disgrace to this family. And that just stuck with me. It's something that stuck with me. Maybe that wasn't a good thing for him to say. I don't really care. But it stuck with me. And the one thing I ended up going through all of high school, all of my 20s, when you're going out with people and these people are recreational drug users and you're the only one not joining the party. You're the only one that has the ability to say no. That is not a popular position to be in. That's a position that nobody wants to hang out with you. And you may not get invited to the next one. Trust me. Trust me from somebody who knows. Because you're the one convicting them. Because you're the only one with the ability to say no when all of them are having a good time as a unit, you had the insurgent mind to say no. And you weren't affected by peer pressure. As you go through this journey, whatever you take from today's episode, know this, whatever success you achieve, that is where you, your strength builds based on that success. The more the scale goes down, the stronger you feel. It's, it's a fact of the whole journey. Now, in the same token, building the strength 
as it comes, building the strength, learning as you go, what can I do to make it better? What tweaks can I do here, there? Do I need to make a tweak? Do I not make a tweak? Whatever it is, learning from the journey actively is a strength in itself that breeds additional success. And if you can grasp that, you'll be in a great place in this journey. One of the most important things I would like for you to grasp from today's episode. There's something I've said in previous episodes. I've, I've used, coined the term break the chains. This is the kind of thing, everything I talked about today is the kind of thing that I say when I say break the chains. Every incident from our past, every moment that has caused us to have all of the insecurities we've ever experienced in our life, it's a chain. Every single one of those chains only holds you back from becoming the person you were always meant to be. And just like I said before, at some point, you're compliant with those chains. You're holding on to those chains as much as they're holding on to you. So decide today, once and for all, Decide to work on these aspects in your life that have hurt you from your past because all of it is encompassing. It's all one journey. The weight loss, the mental anguish from your past, all of it comes together to be one thing. It's one monster that has three heads. And however it has affected you from your past, it's all what made you come to this point in your life. All of it affects you. They say it. It's a saying. It's all weight related. I've heard it a number of times. Grasp what I'm doing here today. Think about from your past. If there are hurts from your past you've never dealt with, it could be the one thing holding you back from the true success you were always meant to achieve. You don't understand how it affects it. That's not your job right now to understand how it affects it. Your job is to get rid of it from your life. When you get rid of it, when you face it for what it is, that's maybe when you'll understand what it truly has been doing to you, how it has been holding you back for way too long. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.